Hello everyone, welcome back to But Is It Healthy? Today we're going to be talking about a summer sport, or at least I would consider it a summer sport. Some of you may consider it an all-year-round sport if you happen to live somewhere where there's a large body of water nearby, or maybe you just happen to frequent a pool. Today we're going to be talking about swimming, but is swimming healthy? <laughs> So right off the bat, it has the point going for it that it is physical activity. But normally when we talk about sports, we do go through injuries first and then potential benefits. So that's how we're going to break it down today. Although, quick note, we will have a specific category for children. There is plenty of research on kids and swimming, and unfortunately, it's not just specific to the good things. When we talk about swimming, the big injury risks are before anyone starts screaming, shoulder injuries. Shoulder injuries are very common in competitive and repeated amateur swimmers. So swimmers who do competitions for fun and swimmers who do swimming, you know, competitively for real. They're more likely to have shoulder injuries than they are to injure anything else. And while shoulder injuries are a pretty serious concern, they are often undiagnosed because they are not noticeable. You don't necessarily register the pain as much. There was actually a study trying to see if swimmers developed some sort of unique pain tolerance. Spoilers, they did not. It's just very difficult to notice that you're in pain in your shoulder constantly. And given how many muscles are involved in stabilizing it, it is easier for your body to overcompensate so you don't notice when you have injured one part versus another in that particular region. That being said, there are definitely effective recovery and prevention strategies out there. Certain exercises are going to build your stability and increase your range of motion depending on what you're looking for. So that is out there if you want to be looking into that when you go swimming. The other big risk with swimming is drowning. Now, drowning is not nearly as common as it used to be. However, drowning does still occur. It is considered one of the leading cause of injury death and has caused over 80,000 deaths in the United States over the last 22 years. It is also the leading cause worldwide in death between children ages one and four, not related to birth defects or genetic conditions. Again, that, that would make it the most common injury kind of death. So that being said, why do we go swimming if we're worried about drowning? Well, quite frankly, we need to know how to swim so that we don't drown and so that we can assist people who we see are drowning. Those would be the big issues there. Another issue with drowning, unfortunately, is we do in the United States tend to see a preference in ethnicities and social background with people who drown. This is most likely due to inaccess to swimming pools and swimming lessons, or at least that is the proposed explanation that has been cited in a couple of the studies that I've read. In order to combat this, it has been suggested that students in the United States who qualify for free lunch programs should also be offered free swimming lessons. This has been proposed by a number of different organizations and potentially is very doable depending on how much funding the school district has. 
that I think is going to be where the big issue comes into as far as whether or not we can actually combat drowning through swimming lessons in these minorities. Now that I've made you all sad, let's talk about more exciting things. Children! I know lots of you probably didn't get as excited as I did, but children and swimming are actually a pretty big focus of research because swimming is considered one of the great ways to check on children's fine motor skill development. Maybe not fine motor skill, it is said that way in one study though, but definitely motor skill and coordination is being tested with swimming. Additionally, swimming has been shown to promote a lifelong love of movement, or at least that is the claim of lots of studies. I have not found a specific study testing the validity of that particular claim. I am sure there's one out there. If you have it, please let me know. I think that would be very interesting because if that is not the case, then we have a problem because we have so much literature in the world telling us that teaching kids how to swim is going to be the way to keep them active and healthy for the rest of their lives. They've been making these claims since the 70s, but not once was I able to find a paper where this was cited. It just kept coming back to these proposals. So proposals are great. I want some hard numbers. In spite of this, though, we do have a 2021 study that came out of Wales. It was a fairly large study uh, done on over 2,000 children. Uh, these children were in the age group of 9 to 11, so, you know, pretty specific age range. But this was actually pretty good. This study looked at both swimming and cycling, and what it found was that children who swam or cycled tended to score better on all metrics that they could come up with for overall health. Now... It was also pointed out there was a sex difference in this particular study. Boys who swam and cycled, or cycled, and or, how it's written, tended to do better in all categories than girls did. This may be due to some other reason. They don't have one. They just noted that there was a gender difference. So keeping that in mind, if you are trying to use this as your jumping off point that kids need to learn how because it'll make them strong and healthy. It will, but to the same degree, not necessarily. Additionally, when we're talking about scapular kinematics, so we talked about shoulder pain, scapular kinematics are gonna be what determine that to some degree. A 2018 study found that amateur swimmers, children in this case, had a better range of motion when they were swimming, but overall did not see any greater strength or increased pain tolerance. We talked about that already. There was another study that did it on adults. We have one on kids. I think it's suffice to say that having a better range of motion does not actually change how much you feel pain. I don't know why this was a thought, but it was. But that's kind of where we're at with kids, so that's pretty exciting. Swimming does seem to have health benefits for kids. One, acts as a way to prevent them from drowning. Two, it improves their overall fitness scores, BMI, cardiovascular fitness, all of that jazz. And it does improve their range of motion with their arms. So that's also exciting. Kids need help reaching things. Short people also need help reaching things. It's me, I'm short people. But moving on past that, we're going to start diving into lifelong health and fitness. Now, we have one more specific subgroup I want to look at before we dive into it, though, and that's women. 
there was a lovely proposal that came out of Australia. Now, this study made me upset when I read the title, and this is just goes to show you can't judge a study by its title because I was all ready to be up in arms and shred their methods. And no, they actually had some pretty decent science behind it. They did a great job looking into it. And see, this is why we need to talk about bias, people, because if I'm a general person who was upset before reading this study, how much more so do you think someone else would be? It, media presence, good lord. But anyways, what the study was looking at was whether or not swimming had a negative impact on women's bone density post-menopause. Lots of things can have impact on your bone density, and women after menopause have a significantly higher risk of osteoporosis than men do just because of their hormone levels and the fact that they tend to live longer. But with those that in mind, this study followed swimmers and did some analysis. All of these were postmenopausal women, so technically older women. And what it came back was these women did not have significantly lower bone density than women who were not swimmers and were overall, in general, healthier than sedentary women of the same age. So chalk one up there. That's really good to know. Now let's talk about cardiovascular fitness because that's the biggest area where we start to see some benefits here. Cardiovascular fitness and blood pressure. I am putting them in the same category this time around. I do clarify that for you because we sometimes separate them out. Sometimes we lump them together. They are intrinsically related. So yeah, but we have one study that looked at lifetime swimmers and this study focused on adults 45 years and older. And basically it wanted to see how these people compared to non-swimmers who were sedentary. Again, we use the sedentary as the baseline a lot of times because it's very hard to control for all things. And while we may say that sedentary lifestyle is not healthy, it is definitely great for studying other people. So yeah, please don't be sedentary. <laughs> but what this study did is they, it was relatively small. It took 70 swimmers versus 60 non-swimmers and it took a whole bunch of different cardiovascular measurements. Overall, what they found was that swimmers tended to have lower blood pressure, uh, higher stroke volume, lower heart rate, lower resting heart rate, which is generally a good sign so long as you're not uh, bradycardiac. So too slow is bad, too fast is bad. We like to be in the middle as far as heart rate goes. But they had healthier heart rates, they had healthier blood pressure, they had healthier BMIs. When we look specifically at blood pressure, we have some exciting data because we have an actual meta-analysis. I love having meta-analyses to talk to you guys about. I love having well-done, in-depth, step-by-step, explained meta-analyses so that I can say it was done to a fantastic degree to get to share with you guys. So this meta-analysis was specifically looking at whether or not swimming was good for blood pressure, and if swimming was good for blood pressure, was it better than other forms of exercise? Well, let me tell you, it dropped your cytosolic blood pressure eight points, or around there. There is obviously the confidence interval range, but it came out to about 8.4, which is a huge drop. And then your diastolic blood pressure saw a correlating drop of about three, that's not as fantastic, but at the same time, your diastolic blood pressure tends to be lower anyways. I mean, it's obviously lower. It, it, 
you get the joke if you happen to know your blood pressure. <laughs> but with that in mind, that was a huge result, and I think it is fantastic and something we should definitely be encouraging people with hypertension. Go swimming. However, if you don't like swimming or you don't know how to swim, please don't think this is your only option. The study did not find any significant difference in swimming versus other forms of physical activity. They were trying to see specifically if there was one for endurance and they could not find a significant relationship one way or the other. So what we can say as far as that goes at this time, if you have an exercise regime that you're working on, keep doing it. That is the best thing you can do. Stay active. Beyond that, there are lots of studies about whether or not swimming is good as a form of recovery. Now, I have one study that wants to talk about hip replacement recovery. When we're talking about hip replacement recovery, we saw some short-term benefits, but we didn't see the long-term benefits we were looking for. What they found was that because you're not putting weight on your hip, you're not getting the full PT experience excuse me, the full physical therapy experience you would be needing in order to return to life as normal, or at least return to full functioning. I, I don't know if full functioning was your normal. I'm assuming it wasn't if you just got your hip replaced, but obviously the goal is to get you back to full function. But what they found was that in that short term, people thought it relieved pain and it did enable them to stay active. I'm going to mark this as a positive because staying active while you're recovering is hard. Don't get me wrong, physical therapy is definitely active, but you don't necessarily enjoy it. I'm sorry to all of the physical therapists in the world who are not in this profession because they like to torture people. You, you know that it's not always fun for us on the other side. I have another study that wants to talk about whether or not swimming is good for neuron regeneration. Now, they have some evidence. This is very promising. However, this is a new study. It doesn't have a ton of other studies backing it up yet. And I'm going to say the jury's out on this point. But keep that in mind. If you have neurological issues, swimming might be something worth trying. Again, please don't go swimming unless you are A, able to swim, and B, are in a place with a lifeguard. I'm going to keep saying that because we, we covered drowning, right? I said that at the beginning. But those are our big benefits. There's Those are huge benefits. Now, when we talk about health, though, I've had to hit it with almost every episode, much to my deep chagrin. What does it do for weight loss? <laughs> yeah. Well, the one study I found that specifically looked at weight loss, it again was specifically looking at weight loss in women, did not show significant results. They found that the measures they were using, and they took a lot of measurements for this study, rather than just go with straight weight loss or BMI, they took your waist measurement, your hip measurement, your body composition measurement, your BMI, the whole shebang. What that study found it was that it didn't significantly impact anything except your waist circumference and your waist to your waist to hip circumference. So that ratio changes because the waist changes. With that in mind, though, you're not necessarily building muscle. You're not 
necessarily losing fat either. I don't know how they make that. Whatever. They didn't have significant results. They said it didn't work. I want to point out, though, the issue I had with this particular controlled study, and they did a great job about keeping people in the dark about what they were doing and still getting informed consent, um, is that they only had people swim for 45 minutes twice a week. We do know from other studies in the past that in order for physical activity to really, really make an impact, it has to be something that is recurring more frequently than a weekend warrior setting. So if you're only doing it twice a week and you're only doing it for 45 minutes, we know that those 40 minutes from other studies tend to be what you need to start seeing results, but you need to be doing it more than twice a week. So I wanna say that you could potentially use swimming as a way for weight loss, but probably not going to be the only thing you need to do. And that was the other thing this study did, was they did not allow their participants to change or alter their diets. When we talk weight loss, I have yet to find anything that comes back as you only have to change one thing. It usually does involve a full lifestyle overhaul. So those are things to keep in mind. So let's move on in to our wrap up. Oh, shoot, asthma, asthma. Yes, hang on. Before we hit wrap up, we have to talk about asthma. There is some thought that swimming in asthmatic patients is good for them because it does such a good job of improving your cardiovascular fitness. That's a very exciting school of thought. I would love for it to be true. I just found lots of people making that claim and I didn't find data to back it up yet. What I did find was a 2008 meta-analysis that said if you have asthma, swimming is probably the best sport for you because it was four times less likely to trigger a bronchiospasm than running or cycling would. So take that as you will. Um, that's pretty great to me if we have a sport and that's not going to trigger your asthma. That's fantastic. So wrap up time. Finally, I always seem to forget one thing. And before we get into it, is swimming healthy? Well, Swimming comes with the risk of drowning. That's a pretty major negative because drowning is um, death. Beyond that, swimming comes with the risk of shoulder injuries being your primary risk factor. So we got two things that are negatives, but swimming is very good for children. It helps them develop motor coordination. It helps them improve range of motion. And when we talk about adults, it helps them too. It has dramatic impacts on your cardiovascular fitness. It has great effects specifically on your blood pressure. It is considered to be a safe sport for postmenopausal women and is good for asthmatics. So yeah, how many is that? The tally goes to swimming is healthy. So go out there, get some sunscreen and hit the beach or the lake or go to the swimming pool. I don't care, but go swimming. This is deeply funny because I am the first person in the world to admit that I don't like swimming. So once again, folks, I mentioned it earlier when I talked about the study involving women, 
check your bias because sometimes you're going to be wrong. I hope with that lovely thought that you all have a good weekend. Go hit some sort of water and go swimming. Rock on! Thank you.